This is the Blue Bomber Podcast with CFL Hall of Famer and my broadcast partner, Doug Brown. He was gone. He was off to the races. Just when you thought it was going to be a huge play, a big missed field goal return up the left. Talk about an explosive sudden change play. This place is deadly quiet right now. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast in iTunes or at CJOB.com. Welcome to the Bomber Podcast. It's uh, Kelly Moore in for GMAC. Somehow, he wound up getting holidays, but it doesn't matter because it's the Blue Bomber broad, uh, podcast rather with Doug Brown. And Doug's here. He never takes holidays. The show must go on. Or so they say. Especially after a win. Always a yeah. pleasure to come in here when it's a dominant performance. Yeah, I was just going to say, yeah, the show really has to go on after a win. 41-19 to 19 over the BC Lions. Before we talk about the win, though, Doug, uh, let's talk a little bit about the return of Matt Nichols, because that was the big story going into this game in the first place. Yeah, talking about a team getting your groove back, you know, in the in the essence of Matt Nichols. He's your daily driver. He's your, your commuter, your luxury sedan that, you know, has all the options, can fit all the people in it to do whatever thing whatever you want kind of vehicle. That's what Matt Nichols is to this football team. And, you know, some of us suspected that, uh, you know, the Bombers had their ups and downs in the first uh, first three games of this season. This being the fourth, in my mind, this is the first regular season game for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers because this was the crew they thought they were going to start and they expected to have. Not anything against Chris Trevler, who did very well for a guy thrown in a situation that was less than ideal. But, you just see how everything blossomed on the football field in terms of the the offensive weaponry, the options, the the uh, complexity of the scheme they were running. Uh, they were dominating the time of possession. Then the defense was playing better. You know, it, it was just amazing. The trickle down effect of having your franchise leading uh, all star quarterback returning to your football team. You, you cannot you know, overstate that enough. Yeah, you spoke during the broadcast, too, that uh, it goes far beyond throwing footballs and calling plays in the huddle, just his mere presence. And and I don't know that it, I mean, you have to, all, and we'll talk about this a little later on the podcast, you always have to qualify things because of the level of competition. But the bottom line is all three facets of this football club and I would say probably for the second time this season because it, it happened in Montreal, but they they were very prevalent in the outcome of the football game. Yeah, I mean, you, you have to think right now, if Matt Nichols starts all four games this season, they would most likely be 3-1, and one, if not 4-0, yes. oh, right? I mean, they only lost yeah. by three to Edmonton. Right. Uh, they obviously would have beat Montreal, uh, and the only game that might have been tough for them would have been uh, against the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Who knows how they would have done on the road there with Matt Nichols on the helm. So uh, I think they were very fortunate to get out at, you know, most teams would, in thrown in the situation that Chris Traveler was in, most teams would lose all those games. Yeah. Without question, they would be winless, and you'd be reeling, and your other two phases of your football team, which you would have been trying to overcompensate for, uh, would have been stretched out, and there would have been injuries, so on and so forth. So uh, Chris Trevor had a lot of success. We're going to talk to him later on this podcast here, but uh, yeah, you, you cannot... The, the quarterback's the most important guy on the football field. He touches the football every time it is snapped. Uh, everything was better. Running game was better. Passing game was better. Um, the drives they put together, consistency out there, cohesion out there was better. And like I say, it's a trickle-down effect with, with how everyone else is going to play. So 
just great. I mean, it's fantastic to discover and find out, hey, you got a viable number two guy here that you can work on now and tinker with. And they got him in that, uh, I call it the Dan Lefevre package right now, yeah. where he comes in for all short yardage and, and they use his legs and his battering ram type uh, affinity. Well, and he really energized the stadium and oh, certainly yeah. his teammates with that run. But before we get to Chris Strebler, uh, who you mentioned, he's going to be joining us on the podcast. It's, by the way, if you're just joining in now, I don't know why you would join in at this juncture of the podcast. Fast forward, you know. If you did, because you thought, well, I'll fast forward through Kelly, so all I have to hear is Doug. But uh, I'm... Well, I'm let's in, get right to Chris Strebler. Yeah, I'm in for GMAC, yeah. Uh, yeah, let, so let's talk a little bit about Matt Nichols' performance, though, because when you look at it statistically, you go, oh, he must have been a little rusty. Yeah, you know, it's funny, you know, looking at the statistics doesn't tell the story of the game. No, no. In fact, he was so dominant, this game was effectively over by halftime. Okay, that's it, how it was. It that's was how done. successful he was outside of his first series where he came in, and it's almost like clockwork, you know, you know, and this is the level of passion Matt Nichols has for football. Uh, he gets overexcited, he gets so amped up, he's so energized. There's so much adrenaline running in his body. He overthrows everybody in the first series, especially coming back this long anticipated debut, coming back from an injury. Super anxious to show everybody, you know, this is his team. He's going to pick up where he left off. And uh, he was bulletproof out there. Outside of that first series, he was unbelievable. And the way he orchestrated that offense, you know, there was just no coming back for the BC Lions. You know, one of the things I like about a podcast as opposed to live radio, you can just do whatever you want. All the rules go out the door. So we can just go like this, Doug. We can retape right anything you the, want. No, we don't even need to retape because right in the middle of the podcast, we say good afternoon to Chris Strebler. Chris, how's it going? Good, how are you? Excellent. You know, we were just talking about the return of Matt Nichols and also, uh, obviously, the play, uh, the part you played in that 41-19 to win over the BC Lions. And, uh, Chris, you had to be pretty happy, I would think, uh, with how things worked out uh, for your part in the victory because all I, I, I go back to that end around that was supposed to get a first down and winds up just turning the whole stadium on its ear. Yeah, I mean, you know, for me, I guess personally, you know, always, always want to get out on the field any, any chance I can to help the team. And so, you know, had a couple plays in and, and we're able to run them and, and get some successful yardage. And, uh, so yeah, that was, that was really exciting for me to, to still be able to get out there with, uh, with Matt out there starting doing his thing too. Yeah, I was going to mention, obviously hard to relinquish all those reps and that learning opportunity and that experience that you were having, but, uh, what an endorsement to still be part of the game plan going forward, figuring out your strengths and applying it to the football field in, in certain situations. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it was different, you know, kind of taking a step back and practice, but I'm thankful for, for the opportunity to get to learn behind Matt. I mean, a guy that's been in this league and been successful and, you know, it's kind of a different experience for me going in and, and starting the first couple of weeks because I'd never, you know, really seen anybody go through the game plan of a, of a week preparing for a game. And so now getting a step back and see Matt, how he prepares as a starter has been uh, really good for me and beneficial. And I look forward to being able to continue to learn from him. And then hopefully whatever other opportunities the coaches give me to, to get on the field, hopefully uh, that's still, that's still available. So I have to ask you this and all your time playing a quarterback through college, high school, whatever, now professionally, have you ever played in a game where, Nobody ever hit you where your offensive line protected you so well, nobody got a hand on you all game. How unreal is that? 
It's unreal. Um, I mean, I, I can't say enough about the offensive line here. I mean, I've had a couple conversations with guys about it, but, I mean, it's a, it's a special offensive line, man. They, they take pride in what they do, and, and they come to work, and, and they work. I mean, they work hard every single day. And, I mean, I, I'm thankful to be able to play behind an offensive line like that because those guys, those guys bring it every day, and their energy really sets the tone for us. So uh, Nichols being uh, quite the the master of his craft there, you said you've been able to to watch how he approaches his his daily work, how he goes about it. What habits would you say that that you've seen from him that you want to incorporate into your own preparation in terms of what Matt Nichols does every day to be a successful quarterback in this league? What have you seen that you want to you want to uh, incorporate into your workday as well? I mean, just, just the overall preparation that he takes. I mean, the way that he watches film. I mean, it's one thing to, to sit down and watch the film, but it's another thing to kind of know what you're looking for and go in with a mindset of how to watch it and just kind of gathering those those small pieces from him. Because for me, it's like I, I know I need to watch film and all that, but from someone who's been in the league for a long time, he knows how to watch film and, how to, and what to look for and how to incorporate that into what we're doing with the game plan. And then not only that, but also just his leadership that he brings to the team. I mean, it's a different deal, you know, leading uh, a professional team than it is being on a college team. And, um, you know, just being able to learn from some of the things that he does, I mean, has been great for me and uh, he's great for this team. Okay, I have to, uh, switching gears here, I have to ask you another question. Outside of Tom Brady, who apparently is just uh, a a prodigy of playing quarterback only and not very good at anything else, most quarterbacks at a high level – very good athlete. So I want to know what else are you good at outside of football? Uh, obviously, we're we're hoping you're going to be part of this franchise for a while. People just want to want to hear, get to know you. What other skill sets do you have that are up there on par with your your quarterbacking abilities? Um, I would say when I was growing up, I was a really good four square player. That's probably the only thing I've ever been close at. Like four square. I used to run the courts in like elementary school. Four square. That was yeah. That was a game. Is, but, this, uh, is, it, is there another word for Foursquare in is Canada? Is that kind of like playing horse? I, I, I don't even know no, what Foursquare like, is. It's like you have like there's like four people that are playing, and it's like everyone has a box or whatever, and you just have to like hit the ball off the ground and like get them out. I can't really explain it. Um, spike <laughs> wow. ball, kind of. If you guys have heard of spike ball. Uh, no, oh. I haven't heard about that. You know, this okay. is blowing well, me away because we had Mo Leggett on this podcast last week, and he started talking about pickleball. And now, yeah, now I have you on, yeah. and you're talking about four, four square, square and spike ball. And I'm yeah. just like, wow, these are two four cultures four uh, clashing. Like a four square is more like a kids game, but spike ball is like more of kind of like a collegey game, I guess. Like it's kind of like a mix between volleyball and four square. It's like a little tra- little trampoline thing in the middle, and then there's like four people, two on a team. If you don't know it, you should definitely look it wow. up. Super, super fun game. Okay, yeah. any of the the staple sports like basketball, baseball, rugby, hockey? Can you do any of these other things? Um, That's what I want to know. <laughs> Running track? What did you? Did, were, were you? Uh... Um, I mean, in high school, I, I I played basketball my freshman year, but then after that, I didn't play any other sports. Um, I played. I played baseball um, growing up, you know, up until like my freshman year of high school. But I always just really enjoyed like lifting weights. So that's really I didn't. Yeah, I never really. Uh, not many quarterbacks enjoy. Not many quarterbacks enjoy lifting weights. But have you seen many quarterbacks who enjoy plowing yeah, into the true. defensive line that's, like Chris Trevor? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, yeah, it's just something I always liked. I mean, I it was just fun for me to be in the weight room with my friends and just you know getting after it i don't know it's like a small high school weight room just kind of dirty and messy but it was like what we love to do after school so um i kind of took to that at an early age and 
that's really what I did uh, through high school and besides playing football. That brings up a very a very good point. You're, you like that physicality. Did you ever play defense, like in college or high school? Because you have a little bit of a defensive mentality out there, especially with your thirst for that contact uh, when you're running on the rock. Yeah, I've heard that from kind of coaches growing up. Um, in high school, I would play a little defense um, situationally as gotcha. like a safety, but uh, it was never anything uh, extensive. And then in college, uh, was just was just offensive for me. Gotcha. So he's he's a pure thoroughbred quarterback here that plays spike ball. <laughs> now, now, I got my finger yeah. on the button here. Four square. There you here I always thought that was just, oh, he has an extra meal, you know, because. Uh, <laughs> Sounds a lot like hopscotch, Kelly. That's <laughs> yeah, all yeah, I know. Yeah, well, uh, I don't want Chris running over me uh, uh, to debate that point. <laughs> hey, tell us a little bit about yourself, though, Chris. We knew you grow, uh, we know you grew up in the Chicago area. Uh, do you yeah. have brothers and sisters? What did your mom and dad do? Uh, you know, how, who was it who? Who made Chris Strebler who he are? Yeah, so I grew up in the Chicagoland area. Um, I've got a younger sister. She goes to Michigan State right now. She's in the athletic training program there. And uh, to, to be honest, her and I are pretty pretty uh, opposite. Like, she was kind of artsy growing up, and I have no artistic bones in my body, but all I did was sports, and she didn't really like to do sports as much. Um, so we were kind of opposite in that way, but we get along really well and have a, have a really good relationship. And then my mom, she uh, she didn't work when I was growing up, and she was able to just kind of be able to take care of my sister and I and uh, was really fortunate to have her around all the time whenever we needed anything. And then my dad is a salesman. Um, he works in South Carolina right now. And, um, you know, two of the most supportive parents I could ever ask for. I mean, just they, they would really sacrifice anything to, to make sure that my sister and I, you know, had the opportunities that we were able to have growing up. So, you know, they still try to make it to a ton of games. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm really thankful. I mean, I guess to, to, to go back to what you said, I mean, I wouldn't be here without the without the sacrifices that they've made uh, to allow me to, you know, just growing up and all the things that my sister and I were able to do. I mean, that, that was such a big part for me growing up and allowing me to continue to chase the things that I was passionate about. What, what's the best part about Winnipeg so far? I mean, we know in hearing from Matt Nichols that you're part of the 5 a.m. club. Good yep. Lord, I thought only radio people got up at that time of the morning. <laughs> now, is that getting up at 5 a.m. or you're actually at the stadium at 5 a.m.? We need a clarification here. Yeah, uh, I get to the stadium at 5. It's, oh, a, it's a, oh. about a 15-minute drive from my apartment in downtown. So it's like a 4.30 wake-up yeah. call. What, what happens if you're late, Chris, or do you not even want to know? If I'm late? Yeah. Well, it's, option. it's got to be optional. Well, it's optional. Yeah. Like it's not like anyone sitting there clocking me in right at five. But okay. It's just you know to get the things done and get a little head start on the day. Uh, I just feel like that's kind of when I wanted to get in. And knowing that Matt does it, my mindset is kind of like, okay, if Matt's doing it, you know, he's been in the league for a long time. He obviously knows so- he's doing something right. So I just want to take his, you know, kind of emulate the things that he does um, for me. You know, is there any is there any one place, Chris, that you've had the chance to visit in Winnipeg? That has really stood out in your mind. I mean, I know it's business, and I know that yeah. you're as dedicated an athlete as there is, but have you at least had a chance to, to get to see some of our city? Yeah, I mean, it, it's been busy. Um, you know, the season's obviously busy, but I live like a couple blocks from the Forks, and uh, so I've been able to go down there a couple times. That's kind of just a cool place, something different that I've never I've never really seen anything like that. Um, and yeah, so that's kind of been my go-to spot as of late just because it's you know such a short walk from my place and so much going on just kind of a nice escape from things going on on an off day or something like that so that's kind of been uh, my go-to spot lately 
Hey, well, Chris, thanks a bunch for stopping by and doing this. We really appreciate it. And uh, we know you will never have to buy the offensive line stakes at 529 Wellington because you're always <laughs> going to get at least touched a little bit plowing into the line. <laughs> uh, thank you, guys. That was fun. Yeah, you bet. Thanks for coming on, Chris. Yep, thank you. Chris Drebler joining us on the, the podcast. And, uh, Doug, he is... I'll tell you, he, he, do you remember in all the years you've been in the CFL, a quarterback, because, you know, you guys talked about Jonathan Jennings the other night, how he came in and kind of took the league by storm, how other guys have, have done it. And so do you say to yourself, should we not be putting the cart too far, far in front of the horse with this guy? And yet he just sounds and looks and feels like the real deal. <laughs> the quintessential quarterback. No, I mean, very promising returns initially. I, I would say it's still too early to know, you know, what the future will hold for him long term as a viable quarterback. Um, I think he's ahead of the game for sure. Mm-hmm. I, I think uh, totally promising. Obviously, his, his physical tools he brings are, are unique. Uh, his running ability is unique. His speed Um uh, his quick release, uh, he's pretty accurate, but there's uh, there's a progression he needs to go through. There's yeah. going to be development, obviously, and in terms of uh, uh, the pictures he sees, uh, that's something I uh, a term that he brought to the the table in. Uh, the interviews he's got when he was starting for Matt Nichols, he talks about all the different pictures he's looking at and understanding what's happening and what's unfolding. So, for a guy playing in a completely different uh, well, completely different game than anything he's used to with with you know yeah. more guys on the field and different rules and motion and so on and so forth he's picked it up really fast I think if he patterns his work ethic and habits um, after Nichols and he continues on this uh, progression, it'll be nothing but great things in store for him down the line. Okay, we'll go back to talking about Matt Nichols before we were so wonderfully interrupted by Chris Trevler on the <laughs> podcast here. Uh, but it's the podcast, uh, Doug Brown's Bomber Podcast. It's his show. Uh, I think we were talking about Matt statistically and how you could maybe get caught up in the, the stats. You know, he, he, he was a little overhyped probably for the first couple of series. Uh, but then after that, the rhythm that he found, Doug, and, and just making sure that the football wound up in a number of different hands to utilize all the weapons. That was pretty special, wasn't it? Yeah, that's it? just it, the distribution yes. right, of the football. And you knew that you know when you get a new guy in, um, even if, say, Chris Strebler had had played in the CFL for five years already, but this was his first year with the Bombers. You would still have to simplify the playbook for him when he was starting, um, because there's just too much. The terminology's he's never, that different. Well, he's never, it, and yeah. he's never done it before, right? Yeah, yeah. So anytime you're a new guy on a team, especially a quarterback, especially when you weren't getting starter reps until the guy in front of you went down and you were forced into action, you really have to streamline and you really have to limit what you're going to focus on and what his strengths are and what his tools are going to be. It was just a. It was fantastic to see, you know, like I said, this for me was game one for the Bombers yeah. where you just pick your page, pick your chapter of the book, of the, of the playbook you wanted. He went through it all. He made all the throws. He got everybody involved, it seemed like. He was clean behind you. You could tell guys were inspired and yeah. happy and, uh, you know, honored him by their performances out there on the football field. So if you're going to have an injury concern best to have it now obviously that's never ideal to to lose your starting quarterback but let's hope if he can continue to uh to stay healthy the rest of the year man does this football team look good yeah it sure does uh defensively they played very sound i don't know that we could go any further in this podcast than we already have without mentioning 
Big Hill. Jennings drops it off, intercepted by Big Hill. Center field to BC, 54, Big Hill to the 51-yard line. <laughs> I mean, that was... That was a very special performance. Yeah, a bunch, a bunch of tackles, two interceptions, uh, yeah. one for a touchdown. You saw the kind of speed he has when he took that down the sideline after he picked that off. Intercepted by Big Hill to the 40, the 35, the 30, the 20. Touchdown, Blue Bombers. Adam Big Hill against his former team. Kind of baited Jennings and... You know, we, we talked leading up to this game how it's always a special time. It's not necessarily a grudge match when it's your old team, you know. The reality of the business is he came from the Saints, the NFL, very late in free agency. Not a lot of teams can afford an Adam Big Hill late. And you got to yeah. plan for a guy like that, right? you got to take steps to make room for a guy like that. So I think he was just amped up and, and having fun because, you know, there's no apprehension. There's no nervousness when you know all the guys you're going against, right? You practice and played with those guys. He spent hundreds of hours with that crew that's in BC right now. So this was straight, pure competition against your brothers, you know? And uh, it was all about bragging rights for him. And wow, did you find out he knows that football team like the back of his hand because some of the things he was doing out there are pretty incredible. We talked about this earlier, so we should. We said we were going to talk about it later in the podcast, so we probably shouldn't forget about that. And that is the degree of difficulty uh, on a weekly basis with the opponent that you're playing against. Uh, so, you know, week one, very good football team, the Edmonton Eskimos, one of the best quarterbacks, if not the best quarterback in the league, Mike Riley, has a big night offensively against the Blue Bomber defense. Next week, it's Drew Willie of the Montreal Alouettes. Bomber defense looks lights out. Then Jeremiah Masoli, back to square one. Jonathan Jennings, if he is anywhere near accurate on those first couple of series for BC, Mm. I don't know if the game would have turned out differently as far as the winner and loser was concerned, but I don't think there would have been a 22-point differential. Yeah, no, Jonathan Jennings for sure had some opportunities. He had some guys behind coverage. We yes. saw at least one down the sideline where we were like, wow. That was the one he for just, Shaq Johnson. Yeah, he it? just yeah. missed that guy. He was yeah. he was going to the end zone without question if he just was able to hit him. And, yeah, he missed a lot of throws. And, and you know, that's the Jonathan Jennings conundrum right now. We see him sling some lasers out there, some Deadly accurate, uh, accurate throws. And other times, he's just off the mark. He's just spraying yeah. the football everywhere all around the place. And you're like, how is this guy, you know, his inconsistency, his erraticness from one series to another. I don't know. It makes me seem like he's not processing things properly. He's not focused in. Uh, I'm not sure what his deal is, but I'd be surprised if Travis Lule is healthy. I expect to see him in BC on Saturday. Yeah, and... and- you have to know that the BC Lions, coached by Wally Buono, uh, coming off back-to-back scorchings on the road, are not going to allow that to happen in their home den. Well, they're certainly going to uh, make some changes and, and some adjustments. You give up 41 points to Edmonton, you give up another 41 to Winnipeg. That's a indictment for your, your defense. And, uh, oh, by the way, I can also imagine the conversation a defensive coordinator head coach says to your defense <laughs> – so, guys, you're on the field for about 60 snaps. At a minimum, there's four of you rushing every single one of those 60 snaps, uh, let alone the times where we added more people to the rush and we blitzed and so on and so forth. You're telling me out of a minimum of 240 attempts, nobody touched Matt Nichols. I mean, that is, if you want to talk about reading the ride act to a defense, 
explaining and breaking that down for them and saying, hey, guys, just in case you're wondering how well or how good of a player you are, this is what you weren't able to do. He had a field day. This game was over by halftime because you couldn't lay a hand on him. And if you don't take that personally as a defensive player, you know, you you have to expect some sort of a pride game from BC in terms of when they get the opportunity in the in the home at home series on Saturday. Talked about the offense, talked about the defense just before we sign off here on the Doug Brown Bomber podcast. Uh, let's talk about the special teams because I thought uh, a person who had a really solid game on Saturday and because of some incredible performances elsewhere that we've just been talking about, but better well, Chandler Fenner for sure <laughs> on special teams coverage. Yeah. But on special teams winning the battle of field positioning, boy, I thought Kevin Fogg yeah. delivered that with his punt returns for the Blue Bombers. But both of those guys, uh, comment on them, Doug, just before we sign off here. Yeah, I know. The impressive thing about Fenner is that he goes down, he volunteers to be on cover teams. Yeah. And then when you're on cover teams, you're exchanging the football. So guess what? He's now playing defense after running down. I mean, you can get you can get destroyed. Guys come off special team series and they're exhausted. Yeah. A lot of times, you know, you run down and, and you, you're going full speed and there's and that's bodies the guys flying that aren't everything. even involved with the yeah. actual tackle. Yeah. And yeah. guys and guys that come off, you know, that's that's hard work, the exchange of possession on special teams and he stays out there and then he starts at Sam playing defense. So it shows you the kind of condition he's in as well as the kind of athlete he is and and how you know how much he enjoys this game and playing it fog is uh he's just he's super elusive super smart i I think he uh, sees the football field very well and uh yeah he's got a knack for it for breaking it and and understanding what is unfolding in front of him and and taking advantage of it yeah and the positive part now is those returns aren't getting called back now he hasn't busted one for, uh, well, you know, I guess he, he busted the one, uh, was it against Edmonton for the touchdown? Yeah. Right at, uh, I think it was that long, the missed field goal, wasn't it, that he returned? Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So uh, it, it seems now that maybe he's a little bit more in sync with his blocking or whatever, that they haven't been flagged for that. Or, or maybe it's just that, uh, uh, what's the word I am looking for? That, that evolving discipline that Mike O'Shea and his coaching staff have been looking for in terms of let's keep penalties to a minimum. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's what you expect from a Mike O'Shea-led team, especially on special teams where he's had so much involvement uh, prior and earlier in his coaching career. Nothing more frustrating than negating a very advantageous return. You have to bring it all the way back. It just, you know, you get your team excited. Hey, you just cut the field in half for us. This is, you know, we're almost in the red zone. We're approaching. We're over the midfield mark, and all of a sudden, you know, you lose 40, 50 yards or whatever it might have been. So, uh once uh, and a lot of penalties you see on special teams are just needless, right? Guys making illegal blocks that are inconsequential to the outcome of the play, right? Like you make a block, you make an illegal block. That guy wasn't going to get to the returner anyways, you know. Yeah. So it's one thing if you spring, if your block springs the returner, but you know a lot of special teams penalties are needless because they're not directly involved in the play, and those are the ones that drive you nuts. Doug, thanks a bunch for this. I am going to make a prediction that you're going to, when you have a few minutes, Google Foursquare and find out what that game is all about. I'm 
I, I'm going to say four square. I'm going to just go with hop, hopscotch for You're now. You're going I'm with gonna, hopscotch uh, for now. Spike ball. <laughs> All right. Spike ball, I think, yeah. I think, we'll just call that volleyball. Of course, well. you'll be able to catch Doug Saturday night with his partner in crime, Bob Irving, on our Blue Bomber broadcast. Uh, the pregame show starts at 7 o'clock from BC Play Stadium and the play-by-play at 9 o'clock as the Bombers look to sweep the Lions and go above 500 for the first time this season. Thanks for listening to the podcast. GMAC will be uh, here next week uh, to uh, be reunited with Doug. Have a great week, everybody. The Blue Bomber Podcast with Doug Brown. That is, wow, that's fantastic. I like that. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast in iTunes or at cjob.com.